You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. England is through to the semi-finals of the T20 World Cup after an incredibly nervy run chase against Sri Lanka. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup daily podcast. To talk through that game with me today is the managing editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner. Ben, that was a really weird game, first and foremost. 52 for one after five overs Sri Lanka, but England dragged things back superbly, taking six for 61 in the final 10 overs to restrict Sri Lanka to one for one for eight from their 20 England blitzed 70 off their power play, yet only managed to get to the target with two balls left spare. So nearly 50% of the runs scored in the game were in the power play. Pace on was fairly straightforward to hit, but pace off, very difficult. What did you make of that England run chase where it did get incredibly nervy after uh, an amazing start from Hales and Butler? Yeah, it, it, it was nervy. And obviously there's a temptation to sort of not, not, not lay into England, but go quite hard on, you know, that they could have managed it better and that sort of thing. I think if you look at it in the context of, as you say, how the game panned out, like it was clearly runs against the new ball were a lot easier to come by. Uh, the spinners were generally hard to get away. Pace off was hard to get away. And when both sides figured that out, then it was both, it was a struggle to hit boundaries. But England were never so far ahead of the rate that they would be, have been comfortable just getting singles. Like it wasn't like they were, it was, it was six and over. So if you're really, if you're doing six and over, you either need a lot of twos, which will end up doing or you need some boundaries so they had to go for some boundaries and so there was mm-hmm. probably criticism of the likes of uh Livingston for getting out the way he did but then Stokes and Wokes batting as they did basically for going all risk there is also a risk in that if that makes sense because if there had just been a few more dot balls towards the end then all of a sudden you're two and two from uh from from losing the game and crashing out so I think there's quite a lot of the, of the conditions that went into the chase panning out the way it did. They could have been a little bit smarter, but they were also hampered by having one of their sort of their most sensible, most innings managing players injured, I guess. So I think they'll just be pretty happy to get through it and we'll take a lot of encouragement from 
Hales innings, Sykes innings and how they form the ball, I guess. I see what you're saying, but they did get the required rate down to under six. In the last 14 overs, England pretty much went at fives and their pre- their record chasing recently is really bad. So in the last 11 games that they've chased, they've only won four of them. And that includes the win today against Sri Lanka. It includes, again, the chase against Afghanistan that wasn't exactly, didn't exude confidence. Um, and it includes one of the games in the Pakistan series where Phil Salt blitzed 88 off barely anything, which wasn't really like a normal chase. And I think you're right to mention Dal Milan. He limped off the field in the Sri Lanka innings with what looked like a groin injury. At the time of recording, we don't know for certain how severe it is, but it didn't look great. And I think England really missed his calm in the middle in that chase. Harry Brooks' form isn't great at the moment. His record in Australia is actively pretty bad, including big bash cricket. Liam Livingston is a good finisher, but I think as his dismissal showed, I don't think he's confident in managing chases like that. He's almost, you almost back him more when nine and overs needed rather than six and over. That was a really, really bad shot. Moeen has never been a great manager of chases and Stokes before this game has been out of form, I guess. And Curran, yeah, he hits it well, but there's a reason why he averages 13 in T20 cricket. So I, I do see England as being really vulnerable in chases because I'm not quite sure who's going to, Who's going to guide them home when it's eight and over needed on a tricky pitch? Yeah, I guess the thing that I can't work out, because you're right, obviously, you know, they, they crushed the power, but they should have been way ahead and it, and it was tight. So obviously the, the last 14 overs weren't great, but it's trying to work out why it wasn't great, because it didn't, like, you can isolate dismissals and say that those came up because of aggression. But in general, England weren't being overtly aggressive, I think. I mean, they hit two boundaries between the end of the power play and the four that Wokes hit to finish the game. Uh, and so, and Brooke, you could argue that was an example of actually of tentativeness. I think there was a, a, a leg stump half volley basically, and he doesn't go fully at it the way that he would do, he would have done if if you know he if if, if England were batting first, I guess. Mm. So it's it's I, so that, that's what I can't work out really. Like these are all good players. It's not as if they're just like all swinging from the hip and mm-hmm. falling in the deep. There were you know long stretches. Yeah in most of the partnerships where there were just singles like Livingston was you know he was it's not as if he'd got off to a flyer and played one shot too many he was four off six when he got out so that's the thing that I can't really work I out completely see what you're saying. completely see what you're saying but I think that's worrying that they don't have that confidence chasing six and over mm-hmm. um, it shouldn't be that difficult for someone you know I, I know I know it was doing a bit for the spinners and it was hard to score quickly but they should be better at just accumulating six to seven runs over. As, as Stokes kind of showed, Stokes had a couple of hairy moments early on in his innings, but when he decided, no, we're just going to get there in ones and twos, he kind of got there quite easily. And I think and I think that was the big plus for England, really. Like Stokes, you almost saw that Stokes had kind of clicked into World Cup mode. Um, like in 2019 in the final, mm. where, he, where he pats the last ball, the full toss from Trent Bolt for two, rather than uh, taking the risk and hitting it for, trying to hit it for six. He talked about how he'd watched the India-Bangladesh game in 2016 in the T20 World Cup, where Bangladesh had needed two for three, tried to go for the boundaries, didn't get it. And actually Stokes made a calculated decision to take fewer risks when it really, really mattered. And you kind of saw that from Stokes in the second half of his innings today. And, you know, if Milan is injured, Stokes is going to be, his importance increases massively into that England side. Yeah, I think Stokes scored 33 from 33 non-boundary balls, which shows just how well he managed that in terms of uh, uh, rotating the strike and, and running the twos. Um, and yeah, I guess we should talk about the Milan thing uh, because 
it really didn't look good i think like that it just but like especially almost like the innocuousness of the incident like it clearly wasn't an impact thing or like a an overstretching thing it was just something went basically and those things are never like you know hugely serious but they are normally two or three weeks basically so you know let's let's wait to hear but if that is what happens it's just devastating i mean for him as much as for england like this is the tournament that the last five years of his career is kind of built up to really in these conditions where his game is so suited he's been so central to that side and rather than being peripheral on the other England sides and uh he's what he's 35 so if that is the end he's might not get another world tournament because the next one year world cup is in two years time uh so yeah for him it's 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 really really tough and i guess we'll come on to what uh what england uh do to replace him if they have to but just from a personal point of view that's uh it's really hard not to feel for him what do you think england will do if if milan is indeed ruled out of the semi-final yeah so i guess there's two options they can bring in a bowler which i think was almost sort of a popular thing before he got injured or they would just bring in Bill Salt for him. So it's either just change the balance of the side or changing sort of like the the balance of the batting lineup, if not the side, I guess. Um, I would bring in Phil Salt and I think that's what they will do. There is obviously a temptation to the bring in Chris Jordan thing. One, just because Jordan's obviously a, a really good player, brilliant fielder, such an experienced head to have in a semi-final and a final. Uh, and then also you've had, you know, Livingston and Curran at seven and eight, look at place too low, you can push them up in that case but I think firstly England's bowling has been their strongest suit in this game and at this tournament I think and for and you know Curran has really come into his own their death bowling was absolutely brilliant today so you, you just don't need Jordan for that if Curran's going to bowl that well and uh, and and Wood is going to be that reliable at the death too and because Jordan is a specialist if you bring him in you kind of have to bowl him uh, like you can't have it would be very odd and I don't think he would do it therefore to have Jordan in the side and to they, 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 you can see a scenario where they kind of end up starting well and then getting to the end and say, oh we haven't bowled Jordan let's bowl Jordan and actually would, would be kind of the better option as a death bowler uh, and I think this this balance if it were to be Phil Salt at what at six where England or six or seven I think where if it's like Billings in the last World Cup bring him in at seven and he's kind of your your insurance I think England would be fine with that I know Salt is mostly an opener but he's done that role for England he will always go hard from ball one. And in some ways that might suit certain members of the batting up. And we saw Stokes as the anchor today, uh, sort of acing that role kind of to perfection. Uh, Brooke has obviously been peripheral, didn't have a great day today, but perhaps moving him up to number four or Moen Ali has obviously got a regular record in the top four. Um, a lot of those players have looked to place too low and this is a way to, to move them up without sacrificing batting depth, I suppose. So I think that's what they will do. And it was a really good day bringing with the ball on the most part they managed to restrict Shanker to just one for one after that amazing start Adi Rashid was brilliant one for 16 um, how impressed were you with with Rashid because he's had quite a tournament up to now he's not really been in the wickets but he, he would be bowled really well today yeah well he was brilliant against them last year as well when they visited England I think in that series he went for one boundary in three games and he also didn't go for a boundary today so I think that's now four games against Sri Lanka and Rashid has gone for for one boundary and that was kind of that series is like almost Rashid at his peak as a T20 bowler that was when he was obviously so confident in his shoulder I think he bowled one ball at 70 miles an hour in that series a faster ball he'd worked on so many variations that it seemed like it was like the total package as a T20 bowler and he's just kind of it seems like that's fallen away a bit uh like and it's it's almost as if it's just the, the that rip just hasn't been there basically I think with 
with with his with his leg spinner perhaps most of all is the the one thing I can think. But he was he was really good today. There were obviously no bad balls. Obviously a tough pitch to hit the spinners and the slower bowlers on. Um, but he was still uh, yeah really good. And, and if if that is just him now, even if he just takes confidence from it and thinks okay, uh, even if I'm not going to be ripping through size in the middle over, I can go at a run a ball. That'll be a, a, a huge bonus for England uh, in the next game or two. Hmm. I think Curran as well. I think I saw a stat on Twitter that Curran is going at less than a run of ball at the death this World Cup. Obviously, that's not really sustainable, but he's obviously doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, and just on Patham Nisanka, uh, an amazing innings. He's more of an accumulator. His strike rate this tournament was actually less than 100 going into this game. He was the main guy who punished England early on. I know England didn't bowl that well against him, but um, that, was, that was some start. And I think there'll be some people out there kind of questioning how Sri Lanka approached the second half of the innings in a very similar way to England. They really, really slowed down. But I, I I don't know what you think, Ben, but I thought they identified 160 as being a really good score. And given their power play start, they thought if they were conservative for the rest of the innings, that would almost guarantee a score of around 160. I guess they just didn't foresee a collapse like that at the end. Like it was an abnormally bad finish going at basically a runner ball for the last 10 and the last few, uh, last three or four overs as well. So they backed deep with Hasaranga at eight. They, they they would have backed themselves to get 160 after that start. And that probably would have been enough. Yeah. Cause I guess you can split it as much as in, obviously did regroup really well after that power play. You can always split that middle into three sections as well. Like, cause what, it was after eight overs, they were 71 for once. So actually they carried on after the power play okay. And then they lost some wickets through the middle. I mean, what, there were four overs where didn't hit badly, lost two wickets. But then actually with five overs to go and Raja Pax was sort of uppercutting bowls for four, uh, you still had Desanka there. So it was sorry, with five overs to go, that was when they were 116 for three. They'd be eyeing up 160, 170 even at that stage. Um, and with still seven wickets in hand. So actually, and England did just bowl really, really well. I mean, Rashid gets out Nasanka and then they, the rest were basically unhittable. You had sort of like that sort of, uh, that that combination of Curran with all his variations and his canniness and then Wood just bowling it as fast as he can. And also, thank God Wood is okay. Yeah. When he, uh, when he bowled the last ball that first over and then just grimaces and walks off, you're like, oh dear, this is the T20 World Cup gone. This is England's tour of Pakistan in the in the, in the the drain as well. And then he, he comes back on and, and bowls as quickly as he has uh, all, all tournaments. So that was that was good. But yeah, yeah. But England, England were really good at the end, more than Sri Lanka threw it away, I think. Mm. There's quite a lot of grimacing from England players today. Obviously, Milan, that looks potentially quite serious, but Stokes has got so much strapping on his knee and he's not moving at 100%. Would, even when he bowled those two overs, he didn't look at 100%. He was bowling quickly. You almost because of how quickly he can bowl, you kind of forget that if he's only bowling eighty-eight, that is that is below where he is normally bowling at the moment. Just to finish, Ben, England in the semi-finals now, finishing second in the group. How do you think they'll go? How do you assess their chances? Well, can I just say one thing on Hales quickly as well? Because this yes, was uh, because that 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 was really as good as Stokes was. That was the innings that won England the game. Um, he, he, it was weird. It was interesting how Butler basically took on the spinners and him the quicks in that power play. Uh, that worked really well as a partnership. Um, and Hales has been asked about the ODI stuff before, and obviously hasn't played a list A game in ages, uh, and he's not in that squad to follow this series. But I still think there is a question to be answered there. I mean, obviously Jason Roy is the incumbent, but we're just yet to see how his form is in that format, basically, given his, his tough summer. And he doesn't have 
given that the World Cup is, is next year and England will want to have that, what they see as their first eleven playing as much as possible together. Uh, after Roy, it's not really clear who that next person is in 50-over cricket. I mean, Vince is in that squad, Milan's in that squad. Again, we'll see whether how he uh, how he pulls up after stay. But Hale's doing that kind of thing. I mean, it was a lot of, also it was a lot of sort of balls kind of hit through the ring today, wasn't it? It was that, like the kind of tone setting, 10 over power play kind of thing where you're just playing good cricket shots and timing them really well and getting to the fence. Uh, so that, that I think it could well be a possibility that in a few months' time, England don't know who their opener is and they're like, well, we've got this world-class white ball opener. Why aren't we using him? On the uh, on the semis uh, and looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, it looks like it'll be India and South Africa, although that's really far from certain, I think. I mean, given how this World Cup has panned out, how there have been very, very few thrashings, how every team has shown they're able to push every team, I would not at all be surprised if either Zimbabwe or Netherlands pull off a surprise tomorrow and then uh, it's basically whoever wins the other game right that goes through in that case. Um, mm. But if it is India, as it looks like, it's just going to be a, a fascinating game and the, that'll be a massive test for England's bowlers because they've kind of, it's a really well-rounded attack and they've found uh, solutions to kind of every problems they've been faced, whether it's been a fast star or it's been one particular batter who's been getting top of that sort of thing. Surika Mayadav is a problem that I don't really know if there are answers to. Like, I don't know what his weakness is. I don't know how you target him. I don't know how you keep him quiet. He scores quickly every single time. Uh, he seems to thrive on the on the pressure and the big occasion. Uh, he basically never plays a bad innings and he is so consistent. Um, that will be a really... That, I mean, that is almost the key battle. As good as, you know, India's lineup is apart from him. Uh, if England can come up with some sort of plan to him that they believe in... Uh, that would be significant, I think. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that is all for today's show. Cheers, Ben. We'll be back tomorrow for a bumper day in Group 2 where all six sides um, are playing and we'll, by the end of tomorrow, we'll know the four semi-finalists. Cheers, Ben. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back tomorrow. Podcast Network.